It's a crossover today on Locked On Cardinals as Ryan Fickelstein of Locked On Mets joins me to break down what was a heartbreaking game for the Cardinals and a heartwarming game for the New York Mets as the Cardinals dropped it late last night, 5-2. to two. So we break down the game. We talk about how the season's been going for both of these teams as well as we compare Robinson Cano and Albert Pujols. An interesting comparison to talk about as two old guys trying to get it done for their teams. One's doing it and one maybe not so much. Hope you enjoy today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What a game, Lucas, huh? I, I thought we were just going to talk Scherzer Michaelis. Uh, how are you feeling right now, man? You know what? I, I, I'm trying to keep in mind the fact that baseball is not life, but that, that one hurt. That, that That is the definition of, of a heartbreaker. You know, the Cardinals, you know, because I'll say this. This is in my locked on now that I posted too. If you would have told me before the game that Maz Michaelis matches zeros and gives you seven shutout innings against Max Scherzer, I'm feeling great. I, f- I feel good about the, card- the Cardinal chances. And then that's exactly what happened. And the bullpen uh, faltered a little bit, as well as uh, a rare error by the best defensive third baseman in all of baseball in the ninth. The, without a doubt, easily the, the, the most heartbreaking loss of the year to date for the Cardinals. And I would imagine one of the more exciting wins to date for the Mets. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a giddy smile on, on my face as you're going through. Going no, I through. see it. No, I see it. No, I was there. I got it. I got it. I, I, I look. I don't want to rub it in. I really don't because I, I've been there so many times. I tweeted right. out when it happened. Like I've, I feel like I've never seen the Mets on the right side of a game like that. It was just insane. I mean, look again. I thought we were just going to be talking about. You know, I was going to be asking about Mike List. Like, how has he been able to do this this year? Because I didn't think that. Um, you know, he was an ace type pitcher, but through four starts, he's been that for the Cardinals. And then we get this, this finish that we got to talk about first. Uh, so let's just start off with, with what happens there. Uh, let's go through it. I mean, you have the error from Arenado. Well, first, I guess Mark Canna, you know, great at bat to hang in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, what happened on that play for Arenado? We've seen him make that play so many times, a little bit of a double clutch air mailed the throw. It was just, just shocking to see it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be asked about it post-game. I'm interested to see what he has to say if he didn't have a good grip, if it was something weird like that. But no, you're absolutely right. We've seen him make that play a hundred times in a Cardinal uniform, let alone the amount of times he's made it in his career with the Rockies. I mean, I literally, as soon as that ground ball was hit, I started tweeting out my, my final post-game tweet of, of a Cardinal win. That's you know? it. Yeah. And then it was it was an airmail. And even, you know, the play that that really before the home run was uh, the momentum sealer for the Mets. Ground ball to first base. Paul Goldschmidt makes a fantastic play on it to keep the ball in the infield. Giovanni Gallegos, I'm sure he'll be asked about this in post game too. Had a little bit of a of a brain fart, for lack of a yeah. little more elegant phrase, and he hesitated just enough that I uh, think Dominic Smith was the one running there. Um, yeah. Slides in safely. No, no argument there. And then Jeff McNeil heads up base running as well to sneak in behind there. Just two uncharacteristic plays by the Cardinal defense, because in my opinion, it's the best defense in baseball. So really oh, yeah. uncharacteristic by the Cardinals, especially when you're looking at Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Two really uncharacteristic mistakes by Arenado and Gallegos to give not give the Mets the win, but to leave the door open for a Mets. Oh yeah, you know, and, and I think you know, set it up better for the audience who might not have watched the game. You know, Eduardo Escobar got a hit, so the Mets had one runner on. Uh, Cano made the second out, so it's two outs. Mark Canna has this great at bat. There is that. I guess they are ruling it a. Uh, they ruled it a single with a throwing error, so that's interesting. Yep. But 
Uh, again, that's how the Mets get the first run. Jeff McNeil doubles that put two runners on for Diamond. Like you said, Goldschmidt unable to make that play. And both runners come across as Jeff McNeil really heads up. And then uh, Nimmo, first pitch. I feel like on the Mets broadcast, I didn't even see it. Like you didn't see the pitch come in. They just cut back to the game and the ball was already yeah. leaving the yard. It was one of those home runs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just crazy. Just a crazy finish. Um, this is a Mets team that's been, you know, it's early to, to talk about a team having the magic and, th- and stuff like that. Right. But uh, I think you've seen, obviously, some World Series teams with the Cardinals. Sometimes some teams just, just have it, and, and early in this season, things are just breaking right for the Mets. Uh, you know, looking at the early part of that game, though, what did you see from Michaelis? Because, again, he has been sensational. That's what I was planning on talking about with right. you. Uh, wh- what has it been so far this year that, that's allowed him to be so successful? He's finding what he did in 2018. Because in 2018, this guy garnered Cy Young votes. He won, led the league in when 18 wins. He had an ERA sub two and a half. Um, and there's a tweet that, that I quote tweeted earlier tonight um, by Brendan Schaefer, who covers the Cardinals for KMLV TV station. His last three starts have been impeccable. 18 and two thirds of an inning pitch, just one earned run, 17 strikeouts. That's a 0.48 ERA and a 0.69 whip. Plain and simple, you know, I, I talk about this a lot on Locked on Cardinals, that the Cardinals pitching, just needs to keep the ball on the ground. <laughs> it's nine yeah. times out of 10, you're going to get it out if the ball is hit on the ground. And he was able to keep this Mets offense, which is no slight of an offense. I think this is probably the better one of the better offenses the Cardinals have faced this year. But at the end of the day, he was able to get seven outs on the ground, and that's going to be huge for him. And he was able to he only walk one batter. When he's throwing strikes and keeping the ball in the ballpark, Michaelis is going to be successful. We even saw that at stint in 2019. And 2019, he led the league in losses. I know some people don't like wins and losses, and I get it, but those are just kind of two different ends of the spectrum that Michaelis has been on over the course of his major league career. So it, it's really simple. Keep the ball in the ballpark for Michaelis, specifically on the ground, and don't walk anybody. He walked one batter tonight, but he's just been absolutely sensational. This starting rotation is one that has had a lot of questions about it. They had it going into the season, especially with the Flaherty injury. And we'll talk about Steven Matz in segment number two. But like I mentioned, he was just able to match Max Scherzer tonight. You know, Max Scherzer, <laughs> it just seems bizarre to me that he's still a New York Met. He was <laughs> sensational tonight, striking out 10 Cardinals. I heard of the radio broadcast. This is the 106th time in Max Scherzer's career that he has struck out 10 or more in a game. What, what what didn't you see from Scherzer tonight that he wasn't doing phenomenally well? And what have you liked from him in his first handful of bet starts? I, look, like you said, you, know, you said you can't believe it. I mean, for me, it's just years of watching this guy torment the Mets in a national jersey. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Even now, four starts in, seeing him wear that Mets uniform, seeing the way he just goes out there and dominates the, the bulldog mentality. And, and you just hated facing him. So now to see him on your side, and it just seems like every single game, um, even when he hasn't had his best stuff, the, the guy just competes. And and on top of what he has done, you know, in starts like this, I mean, obviously his last two starts, he carries a, a perfect game into was it the sixth or the seventh, the last time out. This time the 10 strikeouts only gives up two hits. One of those hits, I mean, Francisco Lindor, if he cuts that off, um, I think he probably makes that play. So, you know, j- just was untouchable tonight. But for me, what Scherzer's really done is he's just changed this, this entire team with his leadership. Um, I, I think even the days where he's not pitching, we're seeing Scherzer have an impact on just making this team believe that they can be a winner. And and tonight, um, you know what? There was no quit in that Mets team. I mean, the Cardinals certainly allowed them to, to get back into that game, but you have to to put the opposition in position to, to, to blow a game like that. You have to put the ball right. in play. You have to grind out at bats. 
And I really do think that that Scherzer has just been a big part of changing the culture of this Mets team at this point in the season. Well, Michaelis versus Scherzer alone was worth the price of admission tonight. I mean, those two, and they were doing it in different ways. You know, Michaelis wasn't blowing anybody away with 101 or, you know, 98 <laughs> or whatever it was. I mean, Cardinals just looked out overpowered. And you know, there are certain days when the offense doesn't hit that you think, man, they need to be better. When, when you're going up against Max Scherzer, there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, th- this dude is, is a first ballot Hall of Famer without a doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's not even close. The only question is what, what hat is he going to wear on his plaque? That is the only question for Max Scherzer in his Hall of Fame. Um, voting ballot, whatever. And he, he always steps up against the Cardinals. You know, he's from Chesterfield, which is a suburb of St. Louis. Went to the University of Missouri. A lot of fans have wanted him here every time he's hit the free agent market over the course of his career. And he it just hasn't been able to work out. And he absolutely he, – he feels like he has something to prove if I, would, if I were a guessing man. And he proves it every single time he pitches in St. Louis or against St. Louis on the road. Dude just absolutely dominates. And tonight, he, it was absolutely no different. I think Tommy Evans struck out three times on ten pitches, or somebody did. I saw a tweet about uh, that. And Mo- Mundo Sosa. Sosa, yeah. It, was but it might just, have been two – I think there was – I think I saw there was six guys that, that might have struck out on three pitches tonight or something ridiculous. I, well, it's, Sosa did strike out four times tonight. I think three of those was against Scherzer, so that would make sense. So it wasn't Edmund, then it was Sosa. You're right. Yeah, ni- nice uh, golden sombrero for him. So I, I want to <laughs> uh, you know, talk about the next couple of games here. We got, yeah. we got some interesting pitching matches. Before we get to that, though, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Uh, you can bet on like Max Scherzer strikeouts for props. I may have cashed that one in tonight. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports waging information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, I'm really fascinated to ask you about Jordan Hicks because so far this year, I've seen he's only gone you know, about three innings in any of these starts. Is he a starter? Is he like a super opener? What's going on here with Hicks? Why did they move him from the bullpen where he's been so successful over to the starting rotation? I like that term, super opener. I like that. Uh, <laughs> he, he was a starter at the minor league level. You know, one yeah. of these guys that, that came up. And when, when he came up, he was the flamethrower. He was throwing 103. You know, he hit 105 against the Dubal Herrera and the Philadelphia Phillies in 2018. So that's all he had needed to rely on. He's always expressed the entrance, interest in returning to the starting rotation. I think a name that is kind of the reason that they felt comfortable enough getting him in the starting rotation is Ryan Helsley. Ryan Helsley has just been nails for the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen this year. And Hicks, while he always had the stuff, never really had the results to back it up for over an extended period of time. So when Flaherty went down uh, before spring training started, that fifth starter spot opened up. We heard Verhagen, who's now in the I.L. We heard Jake Woodford, who's pitched a total of four innings this year. Uh, We heard Whitgren might have even gotten some looks as an opener-style pitcher. We heard Libertor. We heard Hicks. And Hicks was kind of a wild card. He's like, they're not actually – it was going to be a question of whether or not they could stretch him out. And that's why he's only made one start this season. The other two have been piggybacks off of one was off of Dakota Hudson. And I forget who the other one was off of. So, and with rainouts, he just haven't been able to get him the starts that he wanted to, but he's impressed overall, even in his start, when he only went three innings in his most recent start, he has impressed. The, the question for me is, is he going to be effective dialing down the velocity? And what is that third treasury pitch going to be? 
We haven't really seen much of a third pitch yet. Maybe because only, he's only gone three innings uh, in his start against Miami. He went three innings, gave up an earned run. He walked two and struck out three. So we'll see if he does break out a little bit more of a treasury pitch against the Mets tomorrow night. But I expect him to go four to five innings. or That, that would be a reasonable expectation. But I talked about this going into his last start. It's not so much the innings I'm looking at. It's how does the stuff look? How does the stuff play as a starter versus as a reliever? Because it can be very different. Remember when Oldish Chapman wanted to start early in his career, that didn't work out very well. He was meant for the bullpen. Maybe Hicks is going to be the other way around where he is meant to be a starter, just like he was in the minor leagues coming all the way up. So we'll see. I think I've been in, I've been optimistically impressed, and, and I'm cautiously optimistic going forward for what Hicks can do as a starter. Yeah, I think the Mets have had something similar as far as just a guy kind of caught between us, Seth Lugo. The difference is Lugo is a guy that has five, mm-hmm. six pitches. Um, so he really does profile as a right. starter who's just happened to be more successful out of the pen. I mean, Hicks is the prototypical closer if you ever had one as far as just, like you said, 103 nasty stuff, stuff that plays up out of the pen. And you're right. It's going to be really interesting to see, like, can he maintain that two, three times through an order? Um, right now you're saying maybe if, he, if everything breaks right tomorrow, uh, we can see him four or five innings. Uh, that's going to put some more pressure on that that Cardinals bullpen. But as you said, the bullpen has been pretty good. How's that guy Gallo- Gallego spent all year? I'm sorry. He's I, been I really had, good all year. I had to poke a little bit of fun. <laughs> it was just you, tonight, man. Oh, cocky Mets You know, they've had their fair share of moments. They've been the Mets for a while. Yes. And then maybe now they're starting to get on the, like you said, the other side of it. And, you know, maybe the, it's these kind of wins that would have eluded the Mets in years past, oh, you yeah. know. Uh, but I will say one one thing that the Cardinals will always have until the end of time <laughs> is that beautiful 12-6 to curveball that Wayne Knight just dropped in on Beltron. I know that I'm down for the count tonight and the Cardinals lost no. and I'll take that L, but I'm not letting you go uh, any crossover without bringing that up from here <laughs> t- till one of us leaves. <laughs> I, I absolutely deserve that. I absolutely deserve that. Um, I was even going to bring up 06 in our last segment. We talked about about pool holes and some of those guys in the retirement <laughs> tour this year. Uh, but there is a, a, a common interest player that we have here on the Cardinals, Stephen Matz. I, I know he got roughed up early, uh, but it seems like he's sort of settled down a bit. What have you seen from him so far this season? That, that ground ball rate. I mean, I think he got seven if not eight ground outs in his most recent start against Cincinnati. I feel like I'm getting a dead horse whenever I talk about the starting rotation. What do the Cardinals need to do to be successful? Keep the ball on the ground. And Steven Matz was electric at that in in his career. We talked about that when the Cardinals first signed him. He's a typical Cardinal. He goes out there, gets the job done, throws strikes, and does his job. He was phenomenal against Cincinnati in his last time out. Time before that, he was really good against the Brewers. Again, the Mets are probably going to be the best offense he's faced all year. You might be able to compare them to the Brewers. That's an interesting conversation. But uh, offensively speaking, this will be one of the better ones he's faced all year. And the Cardinals don't have an easy task going up against Carrasco or Bassett over the next two days. And I want to ask you about that next. But other than that first start against Pittsburgh, Matt's has been as good as advertised. He has been what he was in 16 for the Mets and what he was last year for the Blue Jays. Throwing strikes, getting the job done. The only quarrel or, or the only qualm I have with it is that he's only going five innings. I'd like to see him be able to get through six, maybe get into the seventh rather than going five and two thirds. But at the end of the day, you're, if you're going five innings every time out and not allowing a run, I'm not complaining too much, right? Over over the course of 162 um, for the St. Louis Cardinals. But the, the Mets have a, a new arm going tomorrow, uh, new to their rotation this year, just like they had in Scherzer yesterday. What have you liked out of Chris Bassett so far to start the season? 
You know, it's interesting to see Bass and Carrasco pitching back to back because yeah. I look at these guys as very similar pitchers in that they're veterans who have a pretty deep bag of pitches they can throw and deploy, and they just have a great idea of what they're doing out there. One of the things I loved about this Mets rotation coming into this season is all the veterans that they had, and you're seeing it during these games. You saw it tonight, Bassett talking to Scherzer in the dugout. These guys are really, you know, you know, you know, melding their minds together and coming up with ways to, to strategize uh, against some of these lineups. And so it's really tough if you're a Cardinals team to have to go Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco. I mean, just three veterans. Um, you know, you look at what Carrasco has done throughout his career. I think he's become one of the more underrated pitchers in baseball, especially because he had such a down year last season. And really, I think he would have been the Mets Chris Bassett last year had he been healthy. Mm-hmm. So now you have both of these guys who are just giving you quality efforts. Even when Bassett got knocked around his last start, he still got you through six innings, even though I think he gave up five runs. That's huge for a team. That was a, a start that he had when the Mets had a doubleheader that week. The bullpen could have been taxed. They're getting length out of these guys. Carrasco was unbelievable his last time out, the first pitcher this year for the Mets that actually pitched in the eighth inning, um, or the first starter, I should say. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough for the Cardinals. These are two guys that have been really dealing, um, and, and I think that uh, they're going to give you uh, or give the Mets uh, a, a couple more good outings here against a Cardinals team that has been struggling a little bit offensively. Yeah, I mean, even though they, they were four and two last week on their uh, six-game long road trip to Miami and Cincinnati, uh, but yeah, offensively recently they've been struggling. Um, outside of Nolan Arenado, um, no one's really been overly hot. Goldschmidt starting to heat up a little bit. Tyler O'Neill had the big hit uh, Monday night or tonight. Uh, so he's starting to get there a little bit, but you have a lot of question marks. The shortstop position and the catching position right now are, are out uh, large. I mean, I know Molina started the rally tonight, but you just have a lot of question marks in that lineup. We, we're yet to see this outfield get rolling, even though I do think by the season's end, they'll be regarded as the best outfield in all of baseball. But I, I talked about it on yesterday's Locked on Cardinals. This is not going to be an easy series for the Cardinals offensively. I mean, the, these three could not have come at a worse time. For the Cardinals, in all honesty, but I wanted to ask about the bullpen setup because uh, obviously, you know, no uh, seven innings is pretty quality. You had the closer Diaz go tonight. The Cardinals are going to probably going to need to rely on the bullpen a little bit more with Jordan Hicks, maybe at most, giving you five innings. So we'll likely see, maybe we'll see Jake Woodford tomorrow as a piggyback, maybe Whitgren. But who is rested? Who's unavailable for the bullpen situation now with the Mets? Has Diaz been used back-to-back nights, or is he available for tomorrow in a closing situation? What's the situation there at the bullpen? I think Diaz will still be good to go if the Mets need him in a tight safe situation. Seth Lugo got a day off today, so Lugo has been another guy they've gone to to close out some games. Drew Smith is another guy that's been um, you know, starting to, to get some of those high-leverage opportunities. So those are the two guys I would expect to see early tomorrow is, is Lugo and Smith, and then if the game's really close, Diaz could – Certainly go again. Um, Trevor May has looked bad this year. I yeah. mean, that, that's and we saw it again today. So, um, I imagine he'll be shelled for at least the game tomorrow. Um, you know, probably available for the last game. The Mets are in an interesting spot right now where they're still trying to figure it out. Um, uh, when it comes to their late inning relievers, the one guy that you really can count on is Diaz, and then they're trying to cobble it together from there. But early this season, the bullpen has been the biggest uh soft spot on this Mets team, and it really hasn't even been that big of an issue. They've just blown a couple of games here. Cardinals bullpen has been the exact opposite tonight, notwithstanding, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but you look at, you know, TJ McFarland gave up his first uh, earned run with a Nimmo home run tonight. Um, 
Giovanna Gagos has been so good all year. Uh, I know all year. It's only what two weeks, three weeks into the season. Um, but and tonight Ryan, he was out. I mean, let, let's just say tonight he Arenado makes that play. That's a save. So right or and and you know if he covers <laughs> if he covers yes we'll, we'll say it that way um if he covers then you have a save too but besides him Henesis Cabrera who pitched tonight he was just filthy and it, when he's when he's yeah. at his best despite what John Heyman might think he's one of the best relievers in all of baseball and I, I I'm not shy in saying that Helsley Cabrera and Gallegos could be the new big three Cardinals had a big three last year but what makes this bullpen so much different even though you have a similar amount of names you have so many more options because Helsley is now in there that he wasn't in last year. TJ McFarland, again, tonight notwithstanding, he's been very, very solid. Nick Whitgren has been solid. You have more than just three options in this Cardinal bullpen, but I would imagine TJ McFarland is done for at least tomorrow as he pitched two innings on Sunday and then uh, that one appearance tonight. But other than that, this Cardinal bullpen is is pretty well rested because of the starting, the length they've gotten from their pitching, especially over the weekend in, in Cincinnati. Um, that this bullpen's well rested and they're going to need it if Hicks is only able to go five tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting last couple of games of this yeah. series. I'm curious if we get to see Albert Pujols at all. No lefty starters for the Mets. So we'll see what happens there. And I want to talk about Pujols a little bit more in just a minute. But this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry when instead you can use rockauto.com and save 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same amount of parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to your auto parts needs. And when you're there at rockout.com, make sure that you write the code or write our locked on in there. How would you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. So I, I told you coming in that I wanted to rip Robinson Cano a little bit more. Um, we're at a point in the season where I am done with the Cano experiment. I was loud wrong uh, on that over the offseason. I thought that Cano might still have something left in the tank, and he just looks like a complete wash player at this point. Every at-bat seems like it is a rolled-over ground ball or a strikeout where he swings at a pitch 10 feet out of the strike zone. Meanwhile, Albert Pujols, I mean, 42 years old, Still matches against lefties. When I check coming into the series, I think his OPS was at 883 or something close to it. So, yep. so what have you seen in his return? Actually, first off, as a Cardinals fan, what was it like when you found out the news that our pools would be back for this season? Oh my god! It was I didn't I thought I was dreaming. I tried to pinch myself. Not not even of just over excitement, just that I didn't think the Cardinals would actually do it. Right? It was reported a day or two before that the signing was made official by Katie Wu of the Athletic that they had had conversations, and there was a beautiful piece in the Athletic by Katie um, detailing more. You know, as more details came out, that was released a couple of days ago. But I was actually about to go to sleep. You know, the, the news broke by all the reporters like 1130 at night, and I was about to go to Nashville the next day. So I had to get up at like 6 a.m. to record an emergency. I had stuff in the bank recorded for a spring break. It was one of those things that just didn't seem real. And then you saw him in a Cardinal spring training uniform the next day, and you still had to pinch yourself. 
And then you saw him on opening day in the starting rotation with Adam Wainwright on the mound and Yadier Molina behind the plate. It was, it, it, yeah, I, I can't put it into words. I would, I would have to think and sit even longer, but he's been, from a baseball standpoint, he, he's been as good as you can expect a 42-year-old to be. I talked about this a lot that it, it makes all the emotional sense in the world to bring him back, and it makes just enough baseball sense to pull the trigger, right? Because now you <laughs> yeah. have a DH against left-handed pitching because Corey Dickerson has not been that great to start his to start his season. You have the leadership that Albert Rolls brings. You have, and you have just a re-energized Yair Molina and Adam Wainwright and, and Albert specifically as well. But you know, even Nolan Arenado, who when Albert came back to the Cardinals um, with the Dodgers last two seasons ago, Nolan Arenado was just ecstatic that he was coming back and that he hopes to go out on his own terms and a little bit of foreshadowing by Arenado. But he hit, you know, one home run, an opening, I believe it was either opening weekend or early in the season in St. Louis, and then a monster home run in Milwaukee. He's been really as good as you can ask for out of a 42-year-old. And yeah, you're right. We'll likely not see him this week unless the matchups work out. Um, and Malmarl has started him against a righty a couple times. But it, it's been more, it's been really more than what I would have thought. I don't think he's going to get 700. He needs 19 home runs left this season to get to 700. So that'll be an interesting chase if he gets there. But Based on your um, conversations before this and your preview right there, I'm guessing you're a little more happy with what Albert has done versus what Cano has done for the New York Mets. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the complete opposite. You know, I, Albert has all the goodwill. Albert does not have any yeah. reputation as steroid use. He, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he's even, you know, whatever the the extra tier that is, he's in that inner circle right. of Hall of Famers with with the Willie Mazes, the Babe Ruths, uh, Hank Aaron's. I mean, what he has done in his career, just incredible. Robinson Cano is the opposite end of this of the spectrum where he has no tie to this organization. Um, all he has done since coming to this organization is either underperform or, get, or test positive for steroids again. And, yeah, I, I don't think that there really is um, even a role for him uh, either. You, you look at, at what Cano d- does for this team, and I look at Dominic Smith, and I just think he's eating away Dom's at-bats. These are guys that have very similar profiles as left-handed, supposedly power hitters, although neither of them has really tapped into that this season at this stage. But I'm at the point here when the rosters go down to 26, I'm going to be really fascinated to see what the Mets do because you can make the argument right now, he could get cut. And you have a a Mets bench right now that uh, I don't think that they're going to just cut a J.D. Davis or a Dominic Smith. I think they need Louis Guillaume as a backup shortstop. They need Nito. Obviously, you have to have a backup catcher. If you don't cut him, you're cutting Travis Jankowski, and Jankowski has done a lot for the Mets this season, giving them another glove in the outfield, giving them a lot of speed, and he's given them pretty good at-bats. So I, I, I'm i really curious to see what the Mets do here. Um, Buck Showalter seems to be infatuated with Cano for some reason, um, so he gets a lot of run. He's hitting early in the lineup, and it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I want to close the show today, though, maybe just, just painting a narrative for you, mm-hmm. and this is going to be great for your Cardinals listeners. 2006, uh, the team that you know has, I think, the lowest winning percentage ever to win a World Series. The Cardinals are what, an 83-win team, I believe. 83 um, and 79, if I remember the, the loss count right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and they somehow beat my Mets. 11 years old. I was I was devastated. Uh, I'll never forget um, Aaron Heilman. Okay. Everyone wants to blame Beltron. Everyone forgets Carlos Beltran was incredible in that series. Oh my goodness gracious. He was on another level. <laughs> yes. In that spot, he struck out and Mets fans will never let him forget it. But Aaron Heilman was the one that gave up the home run. Was it to Yachty? I think it might've been the Yachty. Yachty um, was game. I, I, I Yes. 
Yachty or Roland hit one. No, I think it was Yachty. I gotta be Yachty honest, you, your memory right. is pretty good. How old were you in 2006, Lucas? Oh, I was six. I was six <laughs> in that year. Yeah, I, I have like flashbacks of watching that series. I remember 2011 very well. I was 11 that year, but most of what most of my knowledge, like actual knowledge, comes from reading about it, watching it, and things of that nature. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was Yachty because Roland hit the one that um, the left fielder brought back. Uh, shot yeah. so that was yeah. one rolling hit yadi hit the one in, in game seven yeah yeah so anyway uh <laughs> i could see a scenario this year you know i don't know maybe the cardinals are, are the winners of the central we'll see what happens but um wouldn't it be interesting if these two teams met in the nlcs again <sighs> with the mets being this team because in 06 the mets were kind of the class of the national league i mean they were yeah. this star-studded team with with pedro and tom glavin and uh, you know, Carlos Delgado, David Wright, Carlos Beltran, that lineup, Paul LaDuca. And they run into this shocking little buzzsaw that was the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and they completely broke our hearts as Mets fans. So it would be really interesting if these teams were to meet again, especially just considering that history and considering the fact that this is the last go around for that, that you know, big three um, of Cardinals legends with with Paul Holes and Wainwright and Molina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would actually think that that might be uh, one of the, the better series that we could find this season. Oh, I agree. And I think that the Cardinals, again, I've talked about this a lot. Vinny of Locked on Brewers doesn't necessarily agree with me, but that's okay. I think the Cardinals are the favorite to win this division. I just think this offense is too good for what they've been doing so far in this Pitching will not get the recognition it deserves, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, but this pitching is so good. Like, trust me, it is so good. Um, so I think that that's definitely a route that the Cardinals could go. But, at, you know, at, as we saw in 2006, winning the 11 games in October, I think it's more than that now with the extra rounds. But winning the games in October, that that's when it matters more than winning the 80 to 90 that you need to get in the regular season. So I would love it if the Cardinals met the Mets in, in October this year. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, would it be more fitting for Adam Wainwright to get tagged with the loss in Game 7 or for Adam Wainwright to get the last out in Game 7 again? <laughs> Which one would be? I think we might have different answers, but that would be quite the storyline if Wainwright got to start Game 7 of that series. That would be something else. <laughs> it, it would be crazy. And, and you know what? Like, like you said, I think that the pitching would be great in that series. I think we no. know defensively how good the Cardinals are. The Mets are a much improved defensive team with, with Canna and, and Marte on the outfield and mm-hmm. some of the other changes they've made. So, Look, I think that'll be very interesting, and uh, we will certainly be talking again as these teams uh, might square up, whether in the playoffs or the regular season. Thanks for joining me, Lucas. Why don't you tell my listeners where they can find your work? Absolutely. At LJ Fastball on Twitter. You can also find the show's Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Locked on Cardinals is on every single podcasting platform, as well as on YouTube, free Monday to Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Same deal, you know, available everywhere you get your podcasts, available on YouTube. Thank you for making this your first listen today. Now for your second listen, check out Sully with Locked On MLB. He's got you covered with everything going on with Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.